Welcome to Beyond Words with Dr. William Campbell, awakening the world to the power of God's Word. And now, here is your host, Dr. William Campbell. Welcome to Beyond Words Radio, where it's our ambition to move beyond simply talking about Christianity to walking more like Christ. We seek to walk like Christ in a culture that is not really Christian the way it used to be. Much has changed over the generations, especially this generation in our country. Some call us a post-Christian generation, as though there's something we have lost. I would say if I had to define it in two words, we've lost a Christian worldview. Uh, Let's take that as the title of this program, and let's interview someone who has written much about this topic. Dr. J.P. Moreland. He is a PhD from the University of Southern California. He's also studied out of Dallas Seminary. He's a distinguished professor of philosophy at Talbot School of Theology, part of Biola University in La Mirada, California. If you read philosophy and if you're a Christian who gets into deep thought, you've probably read some of his books, such as The Philosophical Foundations for a Christian Worldview. Dr. Moreland, thank you for joining us today. It's a real pleasure to be with you. Tell us how it is, Dr. Moreland, that you came to be concerned about this whole topic, Christian worldview. That's a great question. Now, I was a chemistry major at the University of Missouri uh, in the late 60s, right smack dab in what's called the 60s. And um, I believed in some sort of a vague God, but uh, I was really a, kind of a party animal. I, I had no purpose in my life. And some gentlemen came uh, to my fraternity house, and they shared the claims of Christ. And I thought, if this stuff is really true, then this is this is a big deal. <laughs> but I, I didn't know if it was true. So I asked and met with the guy and asked him to give me things to read that gave reasons for believing in God and Christianity. And I eventually was persuaded it was highly likely to be true. So in 1968, November, I gave my life to Christ. And then I became a radical. I started sharing my faith. I started stepping up on free speech platforms and Yeah, probably half the things I was saying were wrong, but I had a good heart. And um, but I was getting asked questions and I was leading people to Christ and they were asking me questions and I had absolutely no clue what to say. So I began to do my homework and study and uh, and try to make sense. I joined Campus Crusade staff, which is now called Crew. And uh, to make a long story short, I began to realize that we needed to learn to think and to see the world from a biblical perspective. And that was very different than just um, reading a passage and then reading another passage and being comforted by it. I needed a unified sort of holistic way of seeing reality and thinking about all of life, from politics to economics to sexuality uh, to what's real to creation evolution from a Christian perspective. And so Christian worldview was something that came to me simply because I was wanting to grow. I was wanting to impact and penetrate the culture and not just circle the wagons. And I was trying to evangelize and I was getting asked questions I couldn't answer. Dr. Moreland, um, I have in front of me a book I want to encourage our listeners to order, to get a hold of, to to Google on Amazon and, and find their own copy. And it's titled The God 
conversation. How does this relate to what you just said, to the idea of having a Christian understanding of the world? What my author Tim Muehlhoff and I are trying to do in that book and uh, is to empower Christians to be able to share their faith without being afraid of, of how to do it. And so the book uh, is it gives reasons for why God allows evil. What do we what do we really do with people who've never had a chance to hear the gospel? How in the world can we possibly say Christ is the only way to God? Why think there's a God in the first place? And if there is a God, why Jesus? Um, And so questions like that, and we give fairly simple answers to those questions, but the real strength of the book is that we give a ton of illustrations that can be used in conversation. And so we're trying to equip people who haven't had the privilege of studying or going to graduate school with a set of answers that that they can understand and really great conversational illustrations that you could use in an email exchange or over coffee with with an unbelieving friend or relative that would really give you something with teeth on it to share with somebody. That's related to worldview because my heart over the last 49 years I've been a Christian has really been to try to make King Jesus and his teachings and a biblical worldview uh, attractive and seem very, very reasonable to a secular world and even to the people in the church so that we don't tell our kids, you just have to hold your nose and believe this by blind faith. No, if you got a question, son or daughter, you could ask it and I'll find an answer if I don't have one. And so this is just a part of equipping people to begin to spread a Christian worldview, that there's a God, for example, and that we can actually know he's real. We don't have to just uh, believe it by blind faith. And so this is an attempt to empower people to be more courageous and bold and equipped to spread a Christian worldview. Very good and very practical. I, I love um, your whole idea that there's power in an illustration. Jesus often taught with stories. Those were illustrations. Those were allegories, analogies, metaphors put alongside words to bring them to life. So this problem of evil that has been historic and well-known is one of the maybe main reasons that people will say things like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe there is a God. It's really a problem about God. If the Bible says he's all-powerful, yet also all loving, then we wonder how can there be this darkness and the evil we find in the world. Will you take it down to a simple level as you title chapter two and really give two chapters to this this topic? Can God be good if terrorists exist? I love that. that that's so right down to our day, our age, our lives. So as you do this, you um, th- this has to be peeled back like an onion with layer after layer of thinking uh, That's right. and That's thoughtful right. conversation. What is one of the favorite illustrations that, that you put in the book? I, there are so many good ones here to help people pull back that onion and bring understanding to their friends, their neighbors, their family. 
That's that's a tough question. Um, And by the way, I just want to say that radio programs like what you're doing and others are one of the main ways that a Christian worldview is being spread today. So I want to applaud you, and I I just urge you to keep this up and do everything you can to increase your audience, because uh, radio is just just an excellent tool. So I wanted to say that. Now, getting back uh, to your question, you know, there's one illustration that's kind of fun, and it's about whether... Christ is the only way to God, and it's the maze illustration. And if you if you could uh, be in a helicopter over a maze, and let's just say the maze was uh, a maze of hedges where you could, couldn't see over a course, then if you were up above it looking down on it, you would see that there would be times when two different rows would merge and they would go parallel to one another. Then there would be times when those two different pathways would diverge and go in different directions. But at the end of the day, only one of the paths would get you out to freedom outside the maze. That's true of religions. There are times when world religions will be saying the same thing about something. So the paths run parallel. There are times when they say radically different things, like popular Hinduism, there are 330 million gods. Buddhism, there is no god. Uh, Agnosticism. Allah, the uh, Islam, the greatest sin you can commit is claiming that God is a trinity and Jesus was the son of God. And in Christianity, that's absolutely essential. So there are times when the maze diverges, uh, but there's only one path that actually gets you out, and that's Christianity. And so by saying Christ is the only way, we're, we're really talking about a maze here. Sometimes, of course, other religions are similar or parallel on some topics, but they radically diverge in other places. But when we say Christ is the only way, we're not saying there aren't parallels or truths in other religions. We're saying that at the end of the day, this is the only one that will get you to freedom. It's so excellent. You're basically modeling for us what we need to do a little better. If someone says, uh, look, I believe there are many paths to God, we might want to quote a scripture at them and say, no, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I don't I don't get that. I don't even know if I believe the book you're quoting. But you just right. give an illustration and it gives understanding. And then they can say, oh, okay. And then they can bring up the next objection. You're engaging in conversation. I want to say more the way Jesus did. And, well, I appreciate that. Uh, and and what we need to realize is that there are a, a worldview is basically it's the sum total of what you believe about life's most important questions. So it's what you believe is real. It's what you believe about what we can know and what we can't know. Do you believe there's a real right and wrong? And why? Uh, Is there a purpose to life? And what is it? What am I? Do I have a soul or am I just a brain? Uh, Those are worldview questions. And in the West, if we set Islam aside for right now, there are two dominant worldviews competing with Christianity. And one is scientific naturalism that says science is the only way to know reality. Uh, Everything else is blind faith. And that the world is physical. And there's nothing that's non-physical. The other worldview 
view is what I call postmodern relativism. And it's sometimes there's a little bit of Marxism thrown in there. And this is what is behind the social justice movement today, the diversity movement and the white privilege movement. Uh, by the way, I should say that uh, I think there are legitimate needs here, but I want biblical justice. I don't want contemporary Marxist social justice. Uh, and postmodern relativism says that there is no right or wrong or truth or what's real for everybody. What's real and true is relative to your group. So uh, God does exist for Christians, and God actually doesn't exist for atheists. Well, Christianity is in the middle of that. And what's at stake here is whether we can actually know that Christianity is true. What's at stake is not just whether Christianity is true. It's whether we can know whether Christianity is true. So I've got a book coming out this fall called Scientism and Secularism, and it's for homeschool mom and Christian school teachers about how the idea that science is the only way we can know reality has just damaged our ability to tell our children, you can really know Jesus rose from the dead, because you can't prove it scientifically, you see, but you can historically. <laughs> so worldview is very, very important. It, it informs our view of sexuality, of uh, politics, of economics, of value. My goodness, it's just, it's all over the place. It's our map to, to the world, you might say. If you're just tuning in, we have with us as guest, Dr. J.P. Moreland. Best Schools Organization recently made a list of the top 50 philosophers, and I believe that would be in our generation. You can correct me, Dr. Moreland, but you, Dr. Moreland, were listed most influential in our generation, and I know you were listed as one of them. So I've got a philosophical question for you All right. right after this break. Scripture Awakening, awakening the world to the power of God's Word. Read B90, study B next, and live beyond. Read B90, Bible in 90 Days provides a panoramic view of the sweeping story of God's Word. Almost a quarter million people worldwide have read through the Bible from cover to cover using Bible in 90 Days. Study B next. B Next is a natural next step after reading B90. B Next Bible studies are available in digital and print formats and now the corresponding Amazing Journey video series. Live Beyond. Beyond Words radio satellite broadcast and podcast feature insightful interviews from a wide range of Christian leaders that will both inform and inspire. Move beyond just talking about your faith to living it. Welcome back to Beyond Words Radio. We're so glad you're with us. And we have with us as guest, Dr. J.P. Moreland. And we're looking at his book called The God Conversation. I highly recommend it. He takes deep and challenging philosophy and brings it right down to our level, to a level not just to be understood, but we're talking about the Christian worldview unfolded or explained to our family and our friends. Dear friends, this is an age in which we need this desperately. Because we have kind of lost the basic understanding scriptures bring to us. We've imbibed the stories and the understanding of a culture that's been washed out. It's, it's lost the deep Christian veneer, and it's become what's called post-Christian. So I promised a question for this great philosopher. Dr. Moreland, you mentioned kind of two competing philosophies that work against the Christian church. I want to go back on a broader scale now, and you're the philosopher, I'm not. So you can correct me on this one. But 
would it not be true that in an even broader scheme or scale, there are two main philosophies on the world scene. There is East and there is West. The West believes out of the idea of, of scripture first, and then science arose from this idea that there are truths to be embraced because there's a God outside of the world who's unchanging. The East says God is the world. And so truth is wrapped up in nature. It's cyclical in effect. It's repeating itself. We never quite know where it's going. And what we have now in the West is the East has merged into the West to such an extent that we become post-Christian. Am I okay in saying that as in terms of a broad picture? Yes, I think um, very definitely. I think that, of course, these things are always a little bit more complicated than than just boiling it down into one or two things. And I think there's more that's happened than that. But I think you're absolutely on to an important aspect of what's transpired. Because as you pointed out, in, in Buddhist and, and uh, Hindu thought, it, basically it's pantheism, which just means that at the end of the day, God is, is everything. Um, and in fact, uh, in certain Buddhist traditions, uh, there really is ultimately nothing that exists. And so the goal of, of life is to realize that you're an illusion and to merge into nothingness. And so truth isn't really emphasized. Reason is definitely not emphasized in, in those religions. And it is really only the Judaism and, and Christianity that emphasizes the role of reason. And by reason, I just mean learning how to think well about something, uh, learning to base your decisions as best you can on assessing the evidence for it and thinking about it rather than on the basis of emotions. And uh, the West, because it believed, as you pointed out, that there are truths that are rooted in the nature of a truth-giving God, and that he also created our mind and our, our senses to be able to know those truths gave hope that by exploring the natural world, since our minds were, were created to be able to do that, and there are truths embedded in that world, that maybe science would work. And doggone, look what happened. It did. So that did come from a Christian worldview. There's no doubt about it. Here, here's another one I'd love your response to, and it again goes to your chapter four and five on Jesus, Buddha, or Muhammad, seeking yes. a guide in the maze of religions. Could it be said, from your perspective as a Christian, that there's a grand mountain, and that mountain is Christianity, that the revelation of God to the world through Abraham, realized through Jesus Christ, and, and recognized now in the story we call the Bible. That big mountain is part of a range with a lot of other ideas. And the other mountains, the other world religions and all the smaller religions of which there are literally thousands, they're all the reflection of this greater mountain. It's not to minimize the truth found in each one of them, but they are just efforts to reach higher into something that's complete in Christ and Christianity. Is that okay to say? Yes, it is. Very, very but nice. I like that. And just to illustrate your point, um, uh, some of these mountains kind of grew up by self-effort, you might say. <laughs> they were sort of pushed up from the bottom <laughs> instead of uh, kind of being created from the top down. And so you take Buddhism, it's just a human philosophy. I think, to be honest with you, I think Islam is just a fraud. I think yes. Muhammad goes into a cave and comes out and says that 
it was a good bit of the Quran was revealed to him. And I, I want to know why should I believe that ever happened? And, you know, people say, well, the Quran itself is so beautifully written. It couldn't have been written by a simple man like Muhammad. Well, the truth is that Arabic scholars and others have found out that the Quran isn't that beautifully written. And so I don't know why anybody would believe it. But Christianity, but it does have some things that are kind of grappling for what is found in its fullest form and at the highest peak in in scriptural revelation. You're, you bet. I love that illustration. Thank you. And, I, and now going back to, you gave us one of, just one sample of the many great illustrations um, in your book. Again, the, to the listener, the title, The God Conversation, and just Google J.P. Moreland to find this. You rightly start the first couple chapters around the problem of evil. I really believe this is the, I want to call it the Achilles heel of Christian theology. It's the place that, that often brings people down. And so it's broken up into many excellent questions. Here's one. What about the suffering of children uh, brought forth by atheist thinker Bertrand Russell, who argued no one could sit at the bedside of a dying child and maintain a belief in God? And if I were to ask, what do you say about that? You say it in a beautiful illustration, that of the dinner decorum. Do you remember that one? Yes. And, and you may want to say anything about the problem of evil, but I just want to open this up to, to let, let you yeah. share. I'd rather, in, instead of picking the one, what's on your heart? How do you respond to the problem of evil in a way that well, we can remember? Well, I think remember? that's so, mm-hmm. yes. I, I would say two things. I would say, first of all, the problem of evil actually backs up into an argument for God's existence, not the other way around, and here's how. Can you have a carburetor on a car that's a bad carburetor? Yes, of course you can. What does it mean to say it's, it's bad? Well, it means that it's not working the way it's supposed to work. What does that mean? Well, it means it's not working the way it's designed to work. So the only way you can have something that's bad is if there's a way it's supposed to be and it isn't that way. And the only way you can have something that there's a way it's supposed to be is if it was designed to function a certain way. So if there's a God, there could be people acting or or defects of their body that aren't functioning the way they're supposed to because there's a design for the way they work. But look... If there's no designer, then there is no way that things are supposed to work. Things just work the way they work. And there's, you got a bell curve, and there are some hearts that are at work within the bell curve, and others don't. And that's the end of it. There is no such thing as evil. Uh, there are only uh, irregularities in, in a godless world. So evil actually presupposes that there is a designer that set up a way things are supposed to be, and they're not that way. That's what evil is, is when things aren't the way they're supposed to be. The other thing I would say would be this. Why, and this is not meant to be callous, so please, I'm using this as an illustration, but why think that the suffering of a little child matters? I mean, why is a little child any more valuable than a mosquito or an earthworm? I mean, what's the big deal here? After all, we're a group of organisms called Homo sapiens that evolved relatively late on the atheist scheme. You know, someday we're going to all be snuffed out because the sun is going to go out. What difference does it make if one little homo sapien or a group of homo sapiens on this little dot called Earth that circles a fairly mediocre star called the sun who lives for how many years and suffers and dies, who cares? What, in, in the ultimate scheme of things, it won't make any mm-hmm. difference. 
the only reason it matters is because human beings have intrinsic, incredible value. <laughs> and the nice. only way that can make any sense is if they're made in God's image. So the reason we, we intuitively know it's a tragedy is because people are valuable, but that makes sense if there's an image of God, and without it, it doesn't. And I think what I would say is that God has created a world where we are free, and that's a good thing, by the way. I'm glad we're not robots, but the bad news is that we exercise our freedom sometimes, and that brings on problems. And because of our exercise of freedom, God also created a world where our choices can impact each other. I'm actually glad about that because that gives me an opportunity to help other people and to love them. But the bad side of that is I can also hurt them. And um, so a mom who drinks while she's pregnant or whatever could harm her, the child in her womb. And, and we now live in a world because of our choices that's not the way it was supposed to be. And people like little children and others get hurt by that world because adults made bad choices. And I believe that God will make it up to them at some point uh, when, when they die and they go to be in his presence, little children. My own view is that God will make it up to them and they will be able to say, my life was worth it. I'm glad I was created. Hmm. And I love just a simple thought that kind of undergirds all of this is if there's a problem of evil, then we've got an underlying, perhaps greater problem of goodness. Where did it come from? That's right. How do you get your definitions? Absolutely. But you're giving us what we really need, a full Christian worldview, where we look beyond the temporal to the eternal. The Bible shows us this. And if we say we're Christian, well, we need to believe the Bible. Statistics show 70% in the country say they're Christian. Only about 20 of those, 20% of those who claim that late have a Christian worldview. What about you, dear friend? Do you understand these things? We've touched on just two topics in this book called The God Conversation. It also gets into the issue of ethics and design. Those are two big issues that we didn't touch on at all. So I encourage you again to get a hold of the book. Dr. Moreland, our time's run out, but our interest is just being piqued by this incredible interview. Thank you so much. And may God bless you as you continue to write and teach and do work for the kingdom and for the great King Jesus. Well, thank you, my dear friend. And good being with you. This has been Beyond Words with Dr. William Campbell. And Beyond Words is a ministry of Scripture Awakening. Visit us on our website at scriptureawakening.com where you can download free podcasts of all Beyond Words programs.